Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. We're continuing with our exploration of the halachos of Orachayim. These are all practical expressions of Torah concepts, of the Kabbalah Torah concepts that are the main theme of this platform. And if you've been listening to the series, you already know the goal is to give clothing to the underlying principles, the underlying dynamics, the underlying mechanics of the Kabbalah uh, concepts that we explore on Yisod blocks, and so for those who are very Kabbalah-oriented, this is a way to apply that properly in a way that is going to be in harmony, accurately aligned with the underlying principles of what the Torah is all about. If you're a person who's very halacha-oriented already, and you like these types of detail-oriented uh, uh, ideas in Torah learning, so then this is a way for you to get access to how to walk from the external expression of Torah concepts down to the root of what the Torah is actually about. So this particular halacha is a very good example of the process that I just described because it's a very uh, classic type of detail-oriented halacha that on its face, when you just learn it in a vacuum, then you might look at it and say, okay, why are there halachos like this? It just seems like almost too much, too detailed, uh, too minute even, one could say. So I'm going to read it. It's the last halacha in Siman Nun Gimel. Uh, section 53, these are the halachos about who should be the leader of a tefillah group, which is the chazan, the visionary person who's supposed to pull the entire group of people towards higher states of consciousness to uh, take the 10 different aspects of our characters, of our vessels, and help to, to um, expand them so each one is able to receive more properly uh, proportionate um amounts, I guess you could call it, it's not really the right word, but amounts of divine consciousness, divine light, what's called the mochin, the, the, the light of chachma, the aura of chachma within ourselves, we're trying to receive as much as we can uh, in the proper amounts according to what is what our particular vessel capacity is and our ability and our purpose in the world. And so we're trying to adjust that every tefillah that we engage in is about trying to do that, trying to reaccess the 10 different aspects and attributes of our character and make those adjustments accordingly, finding places within ourselves that are uh, inaccurate, that are distorted, that are that are not able to receive properly because they're filled with some kind of blockage. So that's what uh, that, that, that's the large picture of this siman, this section. And now this last halacha, finally we got to the very end of this very long siman, very long section. It's tw- halacha number 26. And what it says is, Kahal shenagu lemanot anashim. If you have a group of people, a, a community that uh, has a custom to appoint people to be in positions of leadership for a particular amount of time, meaning it's like you have a three-year term, let's say, or one-year term to be the president, to be the chazan, to be some kind of communal leadership role. And the way that it's set up is that when the time runs out, then the people who have been appointed will step down from their role and new people will step in. Whether that leadership role is the person who is the chazan, the leader of the tefillah group, or somebody who's in charge of collecting money from the from the community in order to give it to people who are who are poor, or any other kind of leadership role. So whether the, these people are getting paid for that role, whether they're not getting paid, or even a situation where there was no specific amount of time. Um, meaning, meaning the particular group or the particular person that we're talking about. Let's say you didn't say to them, 
uh, it's specifically for you, your term is three years. But since the custom is usually that it's three years, so then when you just say, oh, you're now the president, and you don't say how many years it's for, so it's as if you said it's for three years. Because since it's always been the custom that that role is for three years, it's built in, since that was the custom uh, until now. And so the halacha is basically saying that, it's trying. It's, it's, it's saying if, if you have a person who is appointed in a certain role, and you never told him, oh, this is only a three-year role or a one-year role or whatever. Since that has been the custom before, then it's as if you did tell him the amount of time, and then you, and he has no counterclaims against you. Now, this is again like almost like a it's a contract law kind of. It's like when you're looking at you know all these like legal uh, contracts for different people's roles in a company or in a different situation, chairman or board members or people like that, and, and, and shuls, synagogues have those types of structures as well. So this is like a very detailed level piece of that that's very legal sounding. And this is where people get the idea that the Torah is something that's all about laws. And the problem with that idea is that it, it's not, again, it's, it's, like, it's almost like a stand-in. When you call something a law, so it's a, it, it's a stand-in for actually going deeper to understand what these things are expressing. Because it's almost like, well... When laws were, were were developed and applied, let's say, in modern society, let's say America is a Western country, so and it's, it has a very, very extensive set of laws, so people are like, well, what's the law? You shouldn't speed, or you, should, you, know, you, you shouldn't smoke in certain places, or there's all kinds of laws, and we kind of all know, oh yeah, laws, laws tell us what we can and cannot do, but that, that's a very shallow perspective because it doesn't really remember, it doesn't constantly trigger memories of what those laws are designed for. Why are there laws in the first place? And, you know, when the generation that invents a set of laws and it has the underlying philosophies, like in, in, in the case of America, the, the founders of the country, so their goal is to to try, they, they have particular underlying themes and purposes, and the goal in, in terms of creating laws is, is it's essentially a manifestation of the understanding that every individual person has some kind of divine value. We're trying to protect each person in the system to make sure that no, no one person can harm another person. And the reason why we have to create a protective system like that is because there is das tovara, there is the capacity for developing distorted perceptions where I'm overemphasizing my own wants and desires over the, uh, the person that is next to me, and I can say with justification to myself, well, in my case, I deserve to have or I should have this thing, and this person is somebody who shouldn't have whatever the, the obstacle element is, and then I want to take advantage of that person. And people create justifications and rationalizations of that nature all the time. So that is the underlying principle upon which the system of laws was built. And then when you look at something like, oh, you shouldn't speed, there's a law that says you're not allowed to drive too fast. Well, sometimes that can be inconvenient. You get pulled over and it's like pretty annoying that you were speeding and now you're getting a ticket, you have to pay $500 or $1,000 or whatever. Um, but the only reason why you can make that 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 observation and say that it's uh, that it's annoying that you were, that you were busted for speeding is because you didn't die or kill somebody else in your irresponsible use of a very powerful tool called a car and so that's an ongoing background energy that's present underneath every single law there's a reason uh, that is part of a much larger framework for every law. Laws of damages are the same thing. In the halachos of damages and in, and in legal uh, uh, constructs today, in the modern, not using not-Jewish laws, not-Jewish structures, so there's basically, if you break somebody else's thing, they have to pay them to replace the value. But why is that? What's underneath that? Well, it, it, if, we, if we look at ourselves as endless 
divine manifestations in the world. Each of us is a, is a irreplaceable consciousness, and every object that is associated with us, what we call ownership, that we perceive as an extension of ourselves, it's an extension of our own creativity being manifest in the world. Everything, every object that you own, uh, everything, everything that you purchase is an expression of your own creativity, your own self being manifest into the world. Your consciousness manifests to actually make change in the world. Why is that? Because when you buy something, so you're taking money, money is simply a store of your creativity. You are an endless self that is trying to leave an imprint, a lasting imprint on the world. When you design or create something in the world, then you now have have made that imprint. But you can't uh, just hold on to that for yourself because you also need other things that other people can create. So maybe you created, I don't know, a sweater, but somebody else created corn. So now what you can do is you can trade that. You can trade your sweater for some corn. Now you have some food, so now you can keep making more sweaters. And so the things that you make basically are, your, are expressions of your creative capacity as a divine conscious being in the world, bringing greater states of order to the world. And you trade that with other people, and then we can all benefit from all of what each of us has to give. And that's what we—that's—that's that's what the concept of, of, of creativity really is it leads to. And that's what and and what money is, is simply a way for us to kind of store some of that value because I can't if I don't want corn but there's only a person who has corn right now so then maybe we can make a, a, an agreement that I'll just give you a sweater now and you'll give me some some kind of storage unit of that value of what I created and then I can use that storage value with somebody else who also respects that storage values uh, value and then I can trade that for something else so I can take the the if it's a dollar that's a, do a dollar simply a storage of that value I give you the sweater you give me a dollar that now is the stored up value of the sweater and then I can go buy something else equals I can trade that storage of value of my sweater for something else from a different person who has something else that I need. So that's what all these laws are about. The concept of damages is based on a profound underlying dynamic of creativity as an expression of our divine consciousness. And when that's when that's not properly structured, then people can can have friction against each other and break each other's uh, areas and then it undermines all of our interrelationships because we're all trying to express our creativity in a group, each of us individually, and then share that uh, exchanging it value for value with each other to bring up everyone's lives to higher and higher states uh, on a never-ending spiral upward. So if that gets damaged because I take some of your the things that you created, so now that it's going to undermine the dynamic, and now you're going to stop creating things because why? Should, why? Are you, how are you going to create things if you can't sustain yourself to keep creating because you're not getting the value for value? You're going to stop making what you're making, which is going to is now going to stunt the process of development of all of our develop all of our inter interdependent developments. So. Therefore, we have the system of laws. All the laws are simply a way to protect the underlying consciousness uh, fragments each, that each of us is in our manifestation in the world. So that is what laws are. They're not just these things in a vacuum. They're always designed to deal with underlying dynamics. And that's exactly why when we analyze halacha the way that we do in this series, so it's with that under, underlying assumption and understanding in mind. So this particular halacha is exactly the same as that. This is a system of laws that's governing how do we manage a, a what you can call a political situation inside of the shul? Well, we, a particular person gets voted into power. He's now the leader. He's the chazan, or he is the person in charge of, I don't know, the charity, or you name what leadership rules. So here we could, we could use the chazan example, because that's been what we've been dealing with throughout this uh, this section of the shulchan aruch. So he might he might say, well, I, I you never told me this is only a three-year role, and maybe he'll become angry. Why is he angry? Because he feels that in in that role now there's the capacity for there to be a distortion in his relationships with everybody else for example if he now is kicked out of that role because his three-year term ended and he didn't realize it's a three-year term so in his relationships with other people maybe people will say oh the reason why he was kicked out 
They might not know that there was a three-year term because he never told them in his relationships because he didn't know that. And now it looks like he was kicked out because of some kind of problem, something that he did wrong. And that's exactly what the Mishnah Brewer here writes, that there's a risk that, be, that because people have the tendency to develop uh, distorted perceptions of what's going on based on their own fears, insecurities, desires, and wantings, all rooted in the Eitz Adas Tovara. So we have to build, we have to, we have to relate to that and understand the risks that this person might perceive himself as having been slighted now and damaged. And other people might also perceive it that way. And that could create all kinds of distorted perceptions in his relationships going forward. So that's why we have a law here that le- that deals with this question and says, well, the halacha is that if it's something which has always been known, that's something which is, this is the custom in the town, so then we, we, we have the right to say that this person made a mistake, and he now needs to know that this is actually his error in not realizing that that was the case. So, and th- this is a, a very good example of how these types of detail-oriented discussions in the halacha that are very, almost, uh, seems very mundane in a certain way. It's not mundane because none of these laws are ever mundane. Laws, by definition, are profoundly divine, and it's because what a law really is, is simply an attempt to carve out, like the language of the word chok, we're trying to carve out a structure that relates to the underlying meta, meta frameworks of being, so we can actually protect them and get everything to go in the direction that it needs to go in terms of its higher purpose, its deeper purpose, its, its, its true purpose. So that's the idea behind this halacha and this particular rule. We're going to continue in the next episodes with the next section finally, section uh, 54. We're going to get a little more, more back into some of the mechanics of tefillah itself as opposed to some of the things that surround it. But I hope you enjoyed that, and thanks again for listening and subscribing, and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.